I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. I'm good with you, Ephraim. I'm fine with 12 ounces. <laughs> that was on beat, actually. I well, that. I'd like to think I'd had to. I have some rhythm. You have some. That was a little good. bit. My wife's a dancer, so. Well, now here's the thing. So we were going to find out about your rhythm today, Ephraim, yeah, with the man. guitar challenge. Yeah, and my inside sources, oh. unnamed inside sources, you got people have watching informed me? me. Yeah, you came into the studio with crutches. Yeah, man, I'm off the. I'm, I'm on the shelf right now. What has happened, man? Oh, What's up with goodness. the crutches here? I have a cast on from my foot all the way up to the bottom of my knee. Uh, it. Uh, I had really for the last year, I've been in severe pain. Uh, because of a. Uh, my ankle, my right ankle. But the last six months, it's been really severe. It's been like I can't get up and walk in the morning. And that's due to bone spurs that have come back. I had them taken mm. out when I was playing in 04, I believe. Uh, but they have resurfaced with a vengeance. And when I tell you, it would literally shut my whole right side down, where if I step wrong, I can fall down to the ground. Oh, man. And I just couldn't, I really couldn't take it anymore. I I'm not buying this at all. Couldn't take the pain. <laughs> I'm not buying this at all. <laughs> Coincidence? I think not, my brother. So okay. I will post the pictures uh, of what they actually did to my, but they're pretty gross. So uh-huh. I, I'll just send them to Papa Bear, and I'll send them to you, so you can you can see what they pulled out, okay. and you'll understand exactly what's going on and why it was so much pain. 
Okay, here's the thing. You know how Carson Wentz would have won the MVP if he had not gotten hurt? Well, he got hurt. He didn't win it. Well, you're hurt right now, allegedly. Therefore, ergo, my brother, I win by default. I okay. want my two Gs. I got you. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> Cash or check. I told you that, nickels. I was going to pay you a nickels. Hey, whatever it takes. Right. Now, this is where I come in, Ephraim. I'm curious here. Now, for everybody that has been listening to the program for a while, this is a year in the making where the bet between Ephraim and our technical producer, Mr. Papa Bear, there was a bet where Ephraim, you're going to be playing, trying to play the solo to Prince's Purple Rain. If you nail it, Papa Bear shaves his beard. If you screw it up, you owe him 2000 bucks. Two Papa Bear bucks. says, you owe now. You didn't bring in the guitar. You're not playing. You owe me now. So the question is, are we going to try to postpone this for a little bit? Except to or Papa Bear. Or are you just Bear. saying, hey, it's over and, and done with. It's well, up to Papa Bear. Well, here's the thing. Last time I checked, we uh, people do not play the guitar with their feet. That's true. So, I mean, <laughs> That's true. if you want, we can go double or nothing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, what else wow. are you going to shave off? Your <laughs> chest hair? What I mean, what? I mean, I could do some manscaping or something. Uh, yeah, I'm good with even thinking about that. I don't even want to. Now it's already in my mental phylodex. Ex- now exactly, I can't get it exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. Are you up for this, Papa Bear? Are you up for delaying it? What, one week? Are you good with one week, Ephraim? Yeah, as soon as I get this cast off, you know what I mean? I just haven't been upwardly mobile. Uh, and highly, I've been highly sedated. The stuff that they give you, boy, good lord. Well, here's How a- long do you think this cast is going to stay on? <laughs> I don't know, man. Did you get the pictures I just sent you? I haven't seen them. Let me Go check ahead, pull it your out. phone out. You, you tell All right. me. All right, let me see this here. Yeah. Well, right. well, here's the thing. When um. When a player gets hurt before a big game, the other team doesn't go, oh, okay, we'll wait an extra week. So I'm going to have to decline to the uh, postponement and say, when you're ready to write that check, I can uh, put that into my account and pay some bills. You know what I'm saying? I got kids to feed in the future. While I'm looking at this, it looks literally like it's a fork and a knife. <laughs> Doesn't it? It really yes. does. They're just a huge incision. Where is this? This Ephraim? is my right ankle. It's my right ankle, the inside of my right ankle. Right ankle. Dude, that has got to be throbbing right now. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it doesn't feel good. I can tell you that. I and it literally looks like like a a good sized stone. Those are two. They're taking the out. top and the bottom is, is two two that were in there. Wow. They just happened to be touching every time I walked, right uh, right on top of a nerve. So every step, it was kind of like ooh. Rolling the dice. But did you yeah. die? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't, Thanos. Goodness gracious. Here's my question, though. I'm curious. Just I'm clearly not a doctor or anything, but if bone spurs are removed, how do bone spurs resurface? Um, It's just wear and tear of your ankle. So bone spurs initially happen. You, you twist your ankle. You have some mm-hmm. type of structural damage. It's scar tissue, which over time calcifies, and some of them are loose bodies floating around, but mainly they attach to a bone, right? And Mm -hmm. just have that, it just uh, doesn't allow you to have that range of motion that you would normally have. And mine were the two that I had, they were so big. Like over time, like once you start shaving and having surgery, it'll never be the same, right? So once you get them removed, they will come back. Because the trauma has already been done to the area. 
So the Sounds first like heavy trauma, right? The, there. the first surgery I had back in 04, I believe it was arthroscopic. So they just made a little incision. They go in, they clean it out and it was fine. This one was a little different. Like I literally walked out of the hospital with that one. This one was different because number one, they always tell you the second time you go in, it's far more aggressive than the first time. And they were so big. They had gotten so big. You got to remember, this is what, 14 years, 15 years in between surgeries. So they had gotten so big oh, gosh, that yeah. they had to cut open the ankle and actually go in. I don't want to gross anybody out, but go <laughs> into the ankle and remove them so they couldn't just do it with a little incision. <laughs> But that's been the pain I've been – I mean, it's been – people have been looking at me like, are you okay? I've been limping, <laughs> taking, taking my kids to school, ba- coaching baseball, uh, basketball, just limping up and down the field and, and the sidelines. And it's just, are you okay? It's, it literally feels like when you walk, it feels like a, a, a broken bottle, like inside your shoe. So every time you step, you yeah, whatever yeah. that sensation you think feels like, that's what it, it would feel like, but inside your leg. I would have just said Ephraim. I mean, look, next time don't buy into the Sixers. That's what I would have thought <laughs> that look was indicating. You know? That's what I I bought I in. I bought in and we can jump right on into it. So yeah. give give me what you got. Let's do that. Let's do that. It's Brian No and Ephraim Salam. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Now, Ephraim, you know that you and I we cover it all. It's not just football and basketball. We're all over the place. We do everything. Badminton. Yes. If something interesting happened at badminton, I'm all on it. That's right. Which leads me to this. Our cornhole coverage, it's the best in the country. Speaking of the game, okay, with bean bags and all Okay, I was like, uh. Everybody, you're like. I was like, where are we going with this? Settle down for a second. <laughs> That's a drop. <laughs> but this goes back to last Sunday. In an Atlanta suburb, fisticuffs, Ephraim. What? This is a fundraiser for high school. There's a scoring discrepancy, and listen to what happens here. Stop it right now. We will stop this tournament. This is stupid. This is absolutely ridiculous. Get. Get out of here. We will stop this tournament right now. We are adults. And this is ridiculous. It is a cornhole tournament fundraiser. Cut the crap. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. So it was like 500 bucks up for grabs. And it got real, you know? It got Someone real. Someone thought they had 12 points. The other team said, no, you got 10 points. And it's like, no, it's 12. Bam! Like, <laughs> right cross, you know? So I, I saw this video, heard the audio, and I'm like, I know what we could use this for, Ephraim. Mm-hmm. I know. Now, we take calls on this show, and everybody's welcome, 877-99 on Fox. And two weeks ago, the Philadelphia 76ers nation just rose up, right, and was hitting us with all of this stuff. They're going to the finals. They're going to take down the Warriors. So what I've done, Ephraim, I've taken a couple of cuts from this little cornhole brawl. I've got a couple of, of drops here. So if somebody calls in and says something that's the equivalent of, the Sixers are going to take down the Warriors. We got to drop. Get out of here! Right? <laughs> I like it. Right? Like it. Yeah, yeah. The Sixers are easily going to be in the finals. This is stupid! <laughs> right? And th- 
We're just on our way. We're off and running. What do you think of that? That is classic. I got another one. The Patriots don't cheat. Really? Well, nothing? Nothing? We, we got nothing? We got nothing? <laughs> I'm looking for something here. that would. I, I was trying to go against the grain on that. Yeah, one, I know you were. I know you were. Um, Maybe this. How's that? What do you think of that, Papa Bear? <laughs> I don't like that one. No, it doesn't work as well. But everybody's welcome me from 877-99 on Fox to check in. Like I said, the cockroaches of the sports world, the Philadelphia 76ers fans, were all boisterous. They were all chesty two weeks ago. We can't find them. There's an APB for all Philadelphia 76ers fans. They're on a milk carton collective. Cockroaches, We can't buy a call from one of these people. Cockroaches? The cockroaches of the sports world. You know when you turn the lights on and the cockroaches just... Just scatter all over yeah. the place. That's what happened. So, we turned the lights on, and the Sixers cockroaches just ran away. So remember when we got into a, an argument about the coaching, the uh, the, the coaching uh, staffs for both yep. uh, Boston mm-hmm. and the 76ers, and I was extremely adamant about Brad Stevens being the next Greg Popovich for the next you know fifteen years. I don't. I mean, he's he's amazing what he's been able to do. Uh, with a young, starless Celtics team. But, you know, if you look at his track record through when he began his coaching, he's been that guy. That's why they hired him. A lot of people were like, what? What's going on with that? But obviously uh, they did their due diligence, and we saw it again in game five. We saw it again. We saw the coaching changes and the coaching rise above the 76ers in the last three, two minutes, two minutes of the game. It's evident. You look at these close games, and that was a great game. That was very close. It was well fought. It was, you know, Boston came came out on top, 114 to 112. But those little moments at the end when the 76ers go cold and they don't have a play to go to or design a play to get a player an open basket, that falls on coaching, especially when your point guard is a, an essential, essentially a rookie, right? You Do you put it the game in his hands or do you put the game in your hands? And we saw right. Brad Stevens do that over and over again throughout these playoffs. I'm going to put the game in my hands. I'm going to drop a play to take the pressure off of you guys if Kyrie Irving's in there, of, of course, let him do his thing. If, you know, Gordon Hayward is there, of course, they've earned the right to make decisions and, and go for the win. But Brad Stevens knows the type of team he has and the youth he has on his side. So he takes that pressure off of them, and we witnessed it throughout that whole series. All right, I've got some stuff to add to that, Ephraim. All right, so we'll expand on that a little bit. I want to throw in my two cents. And also this, coming up next from the Geico Studios, a great man, check that, the greatest man has made it official. It's Brian No Annie from Salam, live with you right here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Brian No Annie from Salam, coming to you from the Geico Studios here on Fox Sports Radio. Great news. It's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Now, I'm going to get to... Uh, the love of your sporting life 
Brad Stevens here in a little bit, Ephraim. But I wanted to mention this. Because a great man has made it official. Check that. The greatest man has made it official. And we only bust out the Top Gun music for the biggest of announcements. And this has to do with the official return of Tom Brady to the 2018 NFL season. Oh, my God. <laughs> Perfect timing. I mean, the man is back, Ephraim. This is huge. <laughs> what Was that ever in question? Was never in question. It's just official. Yeah, you know? but it doesn't matter. I mean, th- th- come on now. Of course That's, it matters. It wasn't even in, in question. It wasn't like he was going as great a career he's, as he had. Did anything about the success he had or anything about Tom Brady in general say, I'm going to ride off into the sunset after a defeat like that to against Nick Foles? No. Of, no, course, of course not. not. So no. I wouldn't – yeah, they were – when OTA started, he was in – the Belize, wherever he was, he was out uh-huh. of the country, and you know, looking at the Mayan pyramids, whatever it was. It, I was like, okay, so what? <laughs> if Tom Brady Papa never showed up, if he never showed up to another OTA, he'd still uh-huh. have the type of season that he would normally have. I have to ask, what was he wearing at that Met Gala or, or the Met Gala, whatever? What, what was that? Uh, I don't know, but I will tell you that he someone. I mean, his wife is an international supermodel. She needs to pull him aside and be like, baby, turtlenecks have not come back yet. She picked that outfit. I guarantee it. He looked like a Bond Whether she picked it or not, she (laughs) rode in the car with him when they left the the hotel. So (laughs) therein lies the problem there. That being said, I have have a confession. I never heard heard of Met Gala or Gala, whatever it's called. You never heard of Met Gala? No, When I first heard of it, I thought, why are the New York Mets having like an award show? (laughs) I had no idea what it was. (laughs) I did like this tweet by Tom Brady, Ephraim, because when he's making this official, he tweets, Tom Brady will return for 19th season. His tweet was, okay, so the main reason I'm still playing is I haven't hit 1,000 career rushing yards yet. 32 to go. And then he had a bunch of hashtags. Some of them were funny. I like this one. Hashtag watch and learn, Russ. Which, of course, is just like like a playful jab at Russell Wilson. Of course. Which, yeah, which is fun. I thought it was good. I have a trivia question for you, Ephraim. I didn't know this. Do you know how many times Tom Brady in his NFL career, how many games he's reached 100 yards rushing? What would you guess? Two. Pretty good. Three times. Yeah. Three times he's reached that number over 18 seasons. So not known for his wheels, but no. 32 yards until he gets to 1,000. And he doesn't need to be known for his wheels. I can tell you that. No. He does no. everything else great. He does. Including Absolutely. including what, Papa Bear? Cheating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where's the sound effect? Cheat. Yeah, there's. Yeah, sorry. Um, so we got to circle back. You and Brad Stevens, your affinity for Brad Stevens, Ephraim, and that's fine. Brad Stevens, my is a affinity for great coaching. Coach. Let's just put it yeah. there. Remember, I just must re- remind people if they don't, if they're new to the show, I am not a Celtics fan by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a Lakers fan. I grew up in Inglewood. I've gone to the farm to see Magic, Bob McAdoo. I, all of these people play. I'm a Laker fan through and through. But I'm also. A realist. I love basketball. I love to break it down. And I know coaching. 
and what Brad Stevens is doing is tremendous. Okay. I just wanted to no put doubt. that out there just so people don't get it. Yeah, I have nothing to gain by saying how good Brad Stevens is. Matter of fact, okay. I hate it. Fair enough, but you have an obligation to tell the truth. Absolutely. Which is good. Right. So this is Jason Tatum from the Celtics. This is after the Game 5 win where they finished smacking around the Sixers, the overrated, completely overrated Sixers in a gentleman's sweep. This is in Game 5 on ESPN. Listen to Jason Tatum talk about his head coach. Let's get more detail. Like, What is he doing to empower each and every one of you to be the best player you can be, even exceeding the expectation of others? Uh, I mean, it's all about putting us in the right spots. And, you know, we earn his trust every day. And, uh, you know, he instills that the same trust. And um, I don't know. He, he just draws up the best plays. Like, I don't know how he does it. Look, man, I mean, we get it. Brad Stevens is a fantastic coach. Brett Brown had a couple of instances where could have done better, no doubt. But I just hate when this series has turned into it's all about Brad Stevens and it's all about Brett Brown. Like, that's just not the case. you got to give the Celtics a lot of credit. Terry Rozier stepping up, a lot of players stepping up. You think about filling in for Kyrie Irving, that's not the easiest thing to do. Terry Rozier made it look easy. There's a lot of credit that needs to go to Terry Rozier and the players, not just Brad Stevens. And the blame for the Sixers got to go to a lot of players, not just Brett Brown. That's the only thing that really annoys me when it comes to the breakdown of that series. Well, well I understand what you're saying, but you got to realize that everybody on the team, they're professional, right? And the only way you become a transcendent player is, number one, longevity. Number two is you have to have you know, the it factor, right? You have to be the guy, right? You have to have something inside of you that propels you to be better than your peers. And the Celtics didn't have any of those players on the court. Now, on the other side, would it be safe to say that Milwaukee and the 76ers had more talent just in types of play, in terms of players than the Celtics had would that be would you be fair in that assessment they have more star talent yeah i just there's more talent i'm just saying more talent more guys who are considered in the top echelon of the nba or up and coming guys would that be safe to say i mean it's just you like remember, the top players you had the greek freak you had the rookie right. of the year the reigning rookie of the year last uh last year yeah. that most people don't even know uh, play for Milwaukee. Then you have this series. You have the next great point guard at six ten, and then you have the next dominant center with Joel Embiid. Granted, they're young, but you have an experienced shooter and um, JJ Redick. Right. And so you. I was about to say. I hope you're not saying that's Ben Simmons. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I know. I know. I just, so, so it, when you it look made at me worry what, for a second. No, but when you look yeah. at these rosters, you you have to acknowledge the fact that. Okay, we are being outplayed, right? And how? What's the beginning? What's the beginning stages of being outplayed if you don't have one of the top three or top five best players, right? It's situations, it's plays, it's coaching. That's how you begin. That's how you get outplayed. When Golden State outplays somebody, they just got more talent than everybody in the NBA, right? They just go on a run by themselves, no plays call. They just go and do it. So they can outplay people because they have superior talent and it's clicking on all cylinders. But when you take a team 
like Boston with reserves and young kids, freshman, I mean a, a rookie and a second-year player, and Terry Rozier, who nobody knew was in the NBA until this year. I'm talking about collectively. Basketball fans, of course, knew. But collectively, the world. I, I can guarantee you Drew Bledsoe didn't know he existed. He was happy he knows now. I can guarantee you Drew Bledsoe did not know who (laughs) Terry Rozier was. I can promise you before this playoffs. So he learned real quick where he could dip his wine. What a great opportunist Drew Bledsoe is. Hey, man, go for it. But what, what I'm saying is you have to take all that into account and look how dominant they're being when they're playing against these teams with superior talent. It's about coaching. Now they are going up against the ultimate test because they have bona fide, in my opinion, the best player or the top two, one of the top two players in the entire NBA. They're going up against that guy next. So go ahead. Right, right. I I was just going to say, I hear what you're saying, but I'll give you two plays in that Sixers-Celtics series that swung the series and had nothing to do with coaching. I'll give that to you next, but we got Steve DeSager with us, who, uh, how could I work Steve into this tease? I just want to compliment Hmm. you at the start. No segue needed. You need to make greater use of those drops you introduced at the beginning of the show. That makes up for us not having the contest with the song and all of that tonight. That was good. We need to hear more. Well, I appreciate that, Steve. If we get these cockroach 76ers fans to call oh my in and God. say crazy things about Philly going forward, yeah, yeah, no we one's can gonna call that in. into tonight's show. No one's going to call in when you call them cockroaches. Cockroaches. <laughs> That's what they are, man. La cucarachas. That's what the Sixers fans <laughs> oh are. It's bilingual. Look out. By the way, programming note, FS1 has the NASCAR race tonight, not tomorrow. They're about 30 laps in. Kevin Harvick has led all of them. From Kansas, FS1 with NASCAR tonight. There's no NBA tonight. Eastern Conference final starts tomorrow afternoon. NHL's West Final opener is underway at Winnipeg. Early second period, 3-1 Jets over Vegas. UFC 224 is in Brazil tonight. As for Major League Baseball, the Astros are leading the Rangers top of the 6-3-1. Houston's World Series and MVP from last year. George Springer is out tonight with a bruised elbow hit by pitch last night, but probably will avoid the disabled list. Mets at Philadelphia rained out. In fact, there's a chance of rain there every day for the next 10 days. Tonight's game will be made up in August, and there's also a chance of rain in Pittsburgh for the next week, and the game at Pittsburgh, Pirates hosting the Giants, has not yet started. They're in a delay. Cubs beat the White Sox 8-4. The Chicago White Sox have lost seven in a row. They're now 9-27, and 27, the worst team in the major leagues. Washington and Boston, each one on the road. Yankees got a home win in 11 innings, 7-6 over Oakland. Baltimore won the first of a doubleheader against Tampa Bay, but they're in a rain delay, sixth inning of the nightcap with the Rays up 4-1 at Baltimore. And Detroit won the first of a doubleheader, 4-3 over Seattle. Detroit is winning early in the nightcap as well, 2-1 against the Mariners in the bottom of the third. And guys, the Dodgers have called up from AAA a switch pitcher. A guy who at any moment mm. during the game can throw left-handed or right-handed. Wow. Pat Venditti. Now, this is a guy, I looked it up, who's going to turn 33 next month and has had three different American League stops with an ERA of five. But with the Dodgers <laughs> at spring training, had an ERA 1.59. And at AAA so far this year, 1.53. 
So the guy from Omaha played at Creighton years ago is going to get a chance, and the Dodgers need him. They're not only horrible as a team, the bullpen specifically is unreliable and especially awful the last few weeks. Thank you, Steve DeSager. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, look, it's a cute trick to be able to throw the ball with either arm, but when your ERA is five, who cares, <laughs> right? Like, just be effective. You can throw it with one arm. Give me a 330 ERA. Yeah, you I'll take that have, over a two-arm, five-ERA guy. Right. You can have two fingers and put a, na- a wicked spin on that thing. <laughs> Goodness Well, gracious. he's probably yeah. a lot better than you, Darvis, who choked in the World Series in the Game 7 on my 40th birthday. I'm not mad say, or what, anything. What was the date of that game? November 1st. Yeah. Sorry to hear that, buddy. Yeah. It's been a rough it's a little one bitter. for you. It's all right. It's Brian yeah. Noah and from Salam. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Uh, okay. Like, the Brad Stevens, Brett Brown thing, and we'll get to the NFL in just a little bit here, but let me just say this, Ephraim. For, For anybody who's putting too much stock into coaching, of course, coaching had a big effect on the series. There's no doubt. But, like, the only effect or the ultimate effect, sometimes it just goes too far. Where I think back to game three, that was the Sixers on the road. All right? They're down 2-0 in that series. And you had Ben Simmons get an offensive rebound in overtime. 19 seconds to go. Sixers are up by one. And instead of... Just dribbling around and drawing a foul. He jacks up a shot right away and misses it. It was just a ridiculous decision by Ben Simmons. That's not on coaching. That's not on Brett Brown. He can't call a timeout immediately, you know, in less than a second. That's on Ben Simmons. And the other play was in game five where Boston closed him out where Joel Embiid missed a bunny. It was a great shot, point blank range. It's basically a layup, and he blew it. That's not on coaching. Like That's the only thing that bothers me is if it's only Brett Brown's fault when it clearly wasn't. Uh, I get that, and those things happen throughout the course of the game. I'm really alluding to, if you go and look at the last, I like to say two minutes because you get a sample size of both sides hand, having the ball multiple times. And the fluidity of the offense for Boston opposed to the fluidity of the offense for the 76ers is completely different. It's, it's completely it's, – and not even knowing anything about basketball, sitting there and watching that, you can, you can see the difference. And that comes from coaching, especially when you have a young team. So that's my thing. My thing is when it counts most – and we've seen the 76ers lose this series against Boston in the last minutes of the game. That's that was their mo. That's that's been their downfall. We saw it happen to them, and you cannot take away the fact that Boston was coached better, right? One hundred one to ninety eight, one hundred eight to one hundred three. You you know what I mean? Like one twelve to one fourteen. That's single possessions, right? When you go into the, the the last minute of a game and you're up, but you don't score on your final three possessions, right, because you're not running a play. You're just coming down and guys, you can tell guys got real timid. Nobody wanted to really take the shot. When they had the lead, 
and the shot clock was going down. Nobody really wanted to take the shot because they didn't want to mess up. And that's when you are when you're a great coach, you take that onus away from them and you draw up something. You call something from the sideline, horns, horns, or zipper, zipper, and you put them in the motion so now they don't have to worry about that because throughout the play, the person who's going to take the shot is going to come open. It's several options on each play, and when that happens, they'll be available. So that's what I mean by down the stretch that those coaching those co- that calling from the sideline putting your players in the best position that you can for them to be successful we saw that clearly in Brad Stevens favor in the Celtics I mean look man uh would be a good example here um I'll take you to the NFL Ephraim where one team that's better makes the team that doesn't have as good of a record seem much less. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I think happened in this series, where, yeah, Brad Stevens is coaching at a higher level than Brett Brown, right? And sometimes it just looked, it made it look like Brett Brown's level was far worse than it actually was. I think that's really what happened. Where if you want to take, let's take the Patriots and the rest of the AFC East, all right? Like, the Patriots are crushing it, and they're going to Super Bowls, they're winning most of them. Meanwhile, you look at the other teams like they're complete doormats. We forget the Bills made the playoffs finally last year. They had a 9-7 and record. There have been other teams that have made the playoffs mm-hmm. in that division. Like, don't get me wrong. They're not the stiffest competition. But the point is the Patriots, how great they are and the level they're on, they make the other three teams in their division look far worse than they actually are. And I think that's the same concept what happened in this Sixers-Celtics series just from a coaching standpoint. Brett, Brad Stevens did a better job, there's no doubt. It's not even debatable. But the job Stevens did, it made it seem like Brown did a far worse job than what really happened. I, I, I Well, I disagree with that. But the good thing about this is we'll find out real soon. We'll find out real soon. Because they have a heck of a test starting on, um, what they start? They start tomorrow, right? They play tomorrow, right? Cavs play tomorrow. Yeah, they play tomorrow. We'll have, we'll see. Because there's going to be, you're going to need the game plan for LeBron James and the Cavaliers. The fact that he has been dominant, even when he says he's had a bad game and has a triple double, he's been so dominant in forcing his will on the opponents in the Eastern Conference just playoffs, we're going to see just how good Brad Stevens is because he's going well, to yeah, he's gonna have the game plan. He's going to have the game what? plan for LeBron, and he's gonna, we're going to see the sacrifice, what he's willing to concede and what he, he doesn't want to concede, and that's what coaching is. That's true, but you go back to those plays. When Ben Simmons jacked up that shot instead of drawing a foul in game three, that had nothing to do with Brad Stevens. Zero. Joel Embiid missing that bunny in game five, nothing to do with Brad Stevens. Zero. That's just youth and inexperience on Philly's side. You know, so I just, we'll see, like you said, going forward what happens. Brad Stevens is a magnificent head coach. I just don't like when he gets more praise than he should and Brett Brown gets more criticism than he should. That's well, just well, first where of you all, and I differ. Brett Brown is a tremendous coach. Two years ago, they won 10 games. That's that, right. that You can't take away from that. Sure. What I'm saying in this series, he was outcoached. I'm he not was. saying There's he's no a doubt. bad. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying that at all. 
But what I'm saying is it was evident. It was tangible evidence, not only from what we saw, but two separate players after two games. Last game, Jason Tatum, he said, I don't even know what he's doing. He just draws it up, man. I don't know where it comes from. These are from his players' mouths, right? Right. These are, these are NBA players. Look, I. it's Brad. She. She's – uh, Rosgold wanted to go in depth. How? What is he doing? He's like, I don't know. He's just drawing it up. We're doing it, and it's working. The previous game, Al Horford was like, Brad Stevens drew up the perfect play. He knew exactly what to do. All we did was execute it. So when you have your stars coming out and saying, when they've been questioned, and saying, yo, look, it's not – remember a few years ago – Um. Uh, when the Cavalier, when LeBron was at the Cavaliers the first time, and Mike Brown was the coach, mm-hmm. and they talked to Mike Brown after the game in the playoffs, and they were like, "So, what did you do, Mike? Uh, to, you know, you you went on a run at the end of the game, and and now, you know, how did you game plan? Oh, I don't know. I just gave LeBron the ball and got out the way, <laughs> right? Well, Doug Collins, he famously said that when he was coaching the Bulls. Exactly. And he's R- like, "This was called give the ball to Michael and get the bleep out of the way." That's <laughs> like, exactly that's, right. That's, so yeah. when I'm telling you that when players come and they say, look, it's the coach, man. These are, these are all-star. Al Horford's an all-star. He's been an all-star for, for years, for 10 years. He's an all-star. And he's like, look, he's drawing up the plays. Jason Tatum just got into the NBA. He's playing at an all-star level because this sure. coach is putting him in position to play at an all-star level. That's the whole point. I don't know, man. But you know I, they I just... do run offenses, right? They do of run all, and they, they have do. defensive rotations, right? Right, right. But, but for like all the credit to go to Brad Stevens and all the blame to go to Brett Brown, it's just it's over the top. That's all. Now we got the music. I knew the music was right around the corner. It, it can't be over the top when we heap such praises on Greg Popovich. It can't be. Right? We these same conversations have been had had by people about Greg Popovich and and how he's able to consistently get his team <laughs> ready to go in the playoffs, no matter who's on the roster or who's healthy. We, we got two more hours, Ephraim. We'll Let's get go. back, we'll get back to at it. Some point. Well, we turn our attention to the National Football League coming up from the Geico Studios. I ran across a column, Ephraim, ranking the eight teams that have a legitimate chance of winning the Super Bowl. And I'm curious if one of your selections – isn't on this list. We'll dive into that coming up next. I'm Brian No, he's E from Salam. This is Fox Sports Radio. It's Brian No and E from Salam here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the Geico Studios. Great news. It's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com. And in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. I just can you imagine Papa Bear's YouTube searches E from where he comes up with these off-the-wall songs. I'm just happy that it's not an anti-patriot song that he came up with on this show. Where we started off talking about the cornhole brawl last Sunday in in an Atlanta suburb. And we played some audio of that. And uh, that's what Papa Bear hits us with. That's awesome. You should see all my searches. (laughs) No, we should not. No, we should not. It would give 80% of our audience nightmares, whatever Papa Bear is searching online. Yeah, that's not what you want. No, no, no. That's, uh, it's worse than eating chocolate before bed, you know? Mm-hmm. Knowing what Papa Bear is searching for. 
Um, so we've got this, Ephraim. We've got to turn our attention to the NFL here. I ran across this column. This is Jason Lockenfora of CBS Sports. And he ranks the eight teams, in his opinion, that have a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl this year. Okay? And I'm just curious. I'm going to rattle off these eight teams. And I want to see if one team that you would include is not on his list. Okay? Okay. So he's got the Eagles. Of course. No, of course. Vikings. Mm-hmm. Patriots. Oh. Saints. Okay. Okay, the four other teams that Lock and Forest says have a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl this year. The Panthers. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Long pause. Maybe we'll circle back to that we'll one. We'll come right? back. Oh, you, you want me to dive into them now? No, 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 no. Just like gut reaction, like yeah, no, no, no debate, no, definitely yeah, a Super Bowl contender, no shot. or like we were good. We were I good. Don't know we were good one. all the way up until to there. Okay, Packers. Ooh. Okay, maybe, uh, maybe mm. not. Steelers. Okay, you got to give them that. Yeah. How about this one? The team you picked to be in the basement of their division, the Los Angeles Chargers. No. No. Great pick. No. I love that pick. No. Okay, so if we go through this, Ephraim, you've got five that you don't debate. Right. Eagles, Vikings, Patriots, that's Saints, no Steelers. Yep. Right. No-brainer Super Bowl yeah, contenders. That's, that, right? Yeah. Yep. Would Who would you like to, if you so choose, it's kind of like the what the match game yeah. on the prices, right? Who would you, if you want to exclude the Panthers, Packers, and Chargers, yep. who would you like to put in their place? The Rams. Okay, that's where I was going. I yep. know you were high on the Rams last year, so I was curious if you were there this year well, also. Well, I am because they got better. They got better than they were last year. Mm-hmm. So I would put the Rams there. I would put the Texans. Ooh. A healthy okay. the, the Deshaun Watson coming back with mm-hmm. a healthy J.J. Watt and uh, Merciless. Yeah, absolutely. Got the honey badger over there. Got the honey badger there. Yeah, I, I would definitely do that. Um, and a, a surprise pick, I would say mm. the Redskins. Whoa, the skins, huh? Yeah, the Redskins. Wow. Alex Smith in for Kirk Cousins. You got the skins as a legit Super Bowl contenders. Or it's either between the skins or the Broncos. Ooh. Right, so I, I'm leaning after looking at this. I'm leaning more towards the Broncos and the Skins. I like Alex Smith and what he does. Okay, but- all right, we'll we'll circle back to this coming up next. A hypothetical scenario that has something to do with me becoming president. Got a t- great tweet here, E from from our guy Gumby Dave. Gumby Dave, great supporter of Fox Sports Radio. Love this guy. Love Gumby. Yeah. Very positive. I don't know if Gumby Dave's written a negative tweet in his life. (laughs) Seriously, it's awesome. Well, that just goes to show you there's someone out there actually enjoying life. Yes, that's right. (laughs) You can enjoy life and also be on Twitter. It's possible. It can happen. Yes. So he tweets the show and says, I'd say give him a month, even though Dave finished the tour. And so he's got Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters with a cast on his right leg, sitting on a throne, and a bunch of guitars all over, 
to the sides of him. He's got a guitar in his lap, and that's what happened. He was on tour with a busted leg. I don't know exactly what was wrong, if it was his Achilles, if it was an ankle. I don't know exactly, but he's in a cast, basically the same situation as you. And so Gumby, in a very nice Gumby Dave kind of way, is saying, hey, big fella, Dave's playing the axe with a messed up right leg. You can too, right? Yeah, he's saying that. I wonder, basically what he's saying. I wonder how much Dave got paid to finish that tour. Oh, man. Lots. Okay. <laughs> so, Gumby Dave. About $2,000. <laughs> right. So, Gumby Dave, uh, if you can find that information out for me so I can run that upstairs to my uh, my bosses, and if I can get uh, just one tour date of that amount on my next check, I will be in here with a guitar. That's we need I'm to saying. get someone. He got you paid know, like, to finish the tour. How, how about how about one of your one of your kids, Ephraim? What about? Can him? you bring one of your kids and they they haul around your guitar gear, and we get it going? Or we want to wait? You want to wait until you uh you heal on this? Thing I would here. like to heal. Yeah, okay. you can try and heal you uh, if you want, but I've already won. So okay, I'm sorry. I'll bring your nickels. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, Playboy. I'll bring you. My nickels. bills will be paid partially. Yes, if you're new to the program or just new to this hour. So the bet, just to set it up one more time, you got Ephraim playing Purple Rain from Prince, trying to nail the guitar solo. If he were to do so, then Papa Bear had to shave his beard. If Ephraim actually played it great, then, I'm sorry, if he screwed it up, then he would owe Papa Bear $2,000. This was the date that we had set up. These bone spurs just showed up, and Ephraim had to get him taken care of this week. The big man is on crutches, no guitar in studio today. And so Papa Bear is basically saying, based on a technicality, you ever heard of a technical knockout in boxing, right? We got Lomacheco going on tonight. He's saying, TKO, baby, 2000 bucks. send it. Exactly. Now, you can send it via PayPal if you want or... <laughs> no, you can't send nickels through PayPal. Okay, that's fine. As, as long as it's exact amount, 2000 Ephraim, I'm curious from you, man. What do you make of Papa Bear here? Do you think I? Because you're taking this very well. It's like not even a. Doesn't even seem like a concern right now. But I mean, you had surgery this week. You're yeah. on crutches, and Papa Bear is not cutting you any slack whatsoever. Well, you know, it's a crabs in the barrel syndrome, right? Instead of uplifting each other, <laughs> he he sees me at a, a weak point, and he decides to tear me down. Well, uh-huh. but you I do have the same thing, and and you said I'm being gracious because I am, you know. Okay, I, I'm 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 oh, I'm, oh. I'm a different man. Like once you go under the knife, right, and you you're, wake you're up, changed okay. man. Okay. You yeah. you just a changed man. It All happens right. after every surgery. This is my seventh <laughs> surgery. Okay, let's be honest. After every surgery, I come I come to, and I because I thank God that I actually woke up and uh, have to be in pain. Okay, let's be honest. Two thousand dollars to Ephraim is like. Five dollars, okay. Not I mean, true. That's five thousand dollars. Two thousand dollars. That's that's nothing to you. It's not that's true. Nothing. It's not true. It two thousand dollars is a lot of money. You what got, surgeries did you have, Ephraim? I'm oh, curious here. My right knee is pretty much useless. I've had uh, four on my right, five on my right, five on your right, five on my right knee. Any ligament? Two. No, I, I've never torn my ACL or uh, MCL, thank goodness. That's cool. That's good. Severe sprain on both, but not torn. 
a lot of meniscus problems, uh, bone on bone for the last probably eight years of my career, which was good. Never fun. Uh, bone on bone. Never bone on that. bone is not what you – for people who don't know no. what bone on bone is, you know when you get out of bed or you walk up a stair or you take a step and you don't feel anything in your kneecap? That's because you have something called cartilage in there. That's and, right. <laughs> and once your cartilage is gone, then the kneecap is just touching the bottom part of the kneecap, which is bone on bone. So you yeah. can imagine what that would feel like. Not right? good. It's like walking on glass with shoes and walking on glass with no shoes. Th- that's a great way to go about that, it. That's exactly yes, how great it description. is. So, yes. Just uh, if you were walking on your knees, though. Yeah, but the sensation of pain will right, be sensation right. of pain, whether it be on your feet or on your knees. That's right. Right. So it it it, 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 it works. <laughs> I do love uh, the violin music in have, the background. Well, I, of nice course, touch uh, by I, I, I'm trying to stay on beat. Uh, yeah. I had uh, one on my left. Uh, I had the cartilage removed from underneath my my kneecap on my left knee uh, uh-huh. from all the years of overcompensation, um, and then mm. two on my ankle. This being the second on my ankle. But I also have to. Man. I also have to get my back done and my shoulders. So, I was about to say, like, it's interesting. It's all lower body for you. Thirteen years, all lower body. You know, my back is pretty bad, and my shoulders. Right, are, are, are but just in terms bad. of surgeries. That's oh yeah, all I'm saying. yeah, yeah. I just yeah. fought through the upper body. So I tore both my labrums and decided that I was going to play through it. So. That sounds pretty rough. It is. It is. I mean, I woke up. I wait. Well, when people ask me, "Will you let your kids play football?" This is one of the reasons why the answer is no. Every day, yeah, well, the, every day yeah, the for the last decade and a half, I've woken up in pain. Now, I'm not right. complaining. I'm not whining. Football has changed the lives of myself and my family, and I would do it again. But do my kids right. need to go through this type of pain? No, not really. Right. Well, a lot of people think like you, Ephraim. There are a lot of parents that are, are going that way. And, uh, you know, look, it's... I don't think you're wrong as a parent either way, really. If you want to sit here and say, hey, man, it's dangerous, a lot of wear and tear in your body, it's just too risky. I I would never sit and say, you're out of your mind. But if somebody knows the risks and says, hey, there are a lot of life lessons that you can learn by playing the sport, I don't think you're a bad parent either way. I really don't. All kidding aside, um, I really feel bad for you. I'm not even joking. (laughs) I know you do. We had a candid talk before your on-air personality was infected. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I seriously felt bad. I yeah, mean, he came. When I walked in, he was like, oh, my God, what happened? What can I do? Let me get on right. my back. He was like, let me carry you, please. Did you see dollar signs in his eyes when he was trying to show this fake I, concern? I, I did see that as well. Okay. I did okay. see that. You did see that. His eyes turned green. There were dollar signs in him, the whole thing. Yeah. Hey, man, I, I got to be honest. I'm broke. I got pills to pay. I'm sorry, brother. Why I'm, are you so broke? You do nothing but work. Exactly, man. That means you're living above your means. Hey, he's what, watching. He's got all these Avengers movies. You know, there's 19 <laughs> know. movies in this series. <laughs> Look, first of all, you refuse to see Black Panther, so don't mm. even talk I don't to refuse. Me. I've yeah, just been okay. busy. Yeah, right, I yeah. don't refuse. Busy, I want to go yeah. see this thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go see it. It's Racist. just a process here, Papa Bear. You know, you can, you can watch it at home now. You don't have to actually go see it. Racist. You can rent it yeah. digitally at home. I'll get it done. I'll get it done. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that before. I'll get it done. Don't worry. Here it's Brian No, Andy Racist. from Salam. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Here's what I want to say, Ephraim. 
I've been hearing some conversations talking about if LeBron wins a championship this year, well, he's going to be better than Jordan. I just want to look at it this way and say this. We need to stop having this hypothetical conversation right away because it's not going to happen. It's basically like saying, hey, if I'm the next president of the United States of America, where will I rank on that list, right? It's not going to happen, so why would we spend any time talking about it? You coming with me, big man? I, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm following. Or am I on an island here? Hmm? Well, most of you the think time that LeBron has a realistic chance to win a championship this year? No, no, no. So why? What's with the debates? Why? Why would we go down that road? Because we you know? we need something to talk about. <laughs> I would rather talk about how it's a waste of time to talk about that. Why? But it's not a waste of time because someone believes that he will win a championship this year, or he can. Now the possibilities of him doing that. Something, just think about this. Think about this scenario. Say uh-huh. they say they come out of the East, which would be it'll be tough for them with uh, that Boston team and Brad Stevens. But uh, say they get to the uh, NBA Finals and they're facing a Rockets team and not a Golden State team. His chances, well, I mean, his chances to win a final increase. Would you agree do. with that? I would agree with that. So yeah. there are certain things that can that can transpire in the next coming weeks that can lend more to that argument. That's why we're talking about it, because it can happen. But what what people are really saying is it's really built upon LeBron beating the Warriors. You know, that's what would really be the, the legacy builder for LeBron. Now, don't get me wrong, beating the Rockets would help his legacy out a whole lot too. Just not the same thing. Not at all. No, because you know, compare to those two. No, and not at all because no one thinks the Rockets could beat the Warriors. But right. anything can happen on you know both of these teams shoot more three pointers, or the Rockets shoot more three pointers than anybody. Ever. That's right. Um, yeah. So all it takes is four games to be on, on fire. My That's problem with the Rockets ask. is they don't play any defense. They, well, they play better defense, but it's too many holes in their defense, and. They switch too easy. They don't fight over screens or fight through screens. So they're bad matchups. And when you play in a team like Golden State, they take advantage of those matchups, right? So if Draymond Green comes up and sets the high pick and roll on Steph Curry, and Steph Curry, I mean, and and uh, um, uh, Harding is now guarding Draymond Green, they're going to throw Draymond Green the ball in the post. Like they'll they'll execute that. The two previous teams didn't do that at all. They did it occasionally, but Golden State would go to that every single time. And that's how you expose James Harden and his defensive woes and put him in foul trouble and you get them off rhythm, right? If you put, you know, as good as he's been in these playoffs, Chris Paul in a high pick and roll with Klay Thompson, they're going to throw Klay Thompson the ball in the post, right? So the Warriors are adept at at taking advantage of the mismatch. Most teams, when they switch the big to the little, the big the, the little back, the guard backs up and wants to take the big one on one. Golden State isn't built like that because they can get their their shot their guards can get their shot off anytime. It doesn't have to be on a switch. So what happens is they'll take what you give them and they'll exploit it to a fact where you have to make some serious 
in-game adjustments, and I just don't see the Rockets doing that. Yeah, I just don't see it. I don't see the Rockets winning this series. There are many, many reasons, and we can expand on that, uh, why I don't see the Rockets winning it. And we will. We will. Uh, we'll actually do that next. Uh, Papa Bear, you had something before we get going real fast? Yes. What was that? Hypothetical question. If by some way LeBron beats the Warriors, is he the GOAT? <laughs> In my mind, no. Really? Oh, stop it. <laughs> Is that what you're doing? Were you just teeing me up for that, Papa Bear? Okay. That was a nice okay. assist by you. That was nice. Black was Panther good. hater. Get out of here. <laughs> no, no. LeBron's not beating the Warriors, all right? So I'm not even going down that road. It's not happening. The Rockets have a better chance, and they're not beating the Warriors. Nobody is beating the Warriors. No, they, they're, they're – I mean, if you watch them play, and, you know – Say what you want, but the Pelicans gave them all they could. I mean, Anthony Davis oh, is truly yeah. one of the top five. I mean, this guy, anything. And it just wasn't even, you know, they fought, but goodness right. They're gracious, just not in the man. same class. They're not in the same not class. Not many teams Come, are. No. Coming up next from the Geico Studios, some Warriors versus Rockets and also just an awesome, awesome trash-talking NFL tweet. We'll throw that your way as well. It's Brian No Annie from Salam here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Brian No Annie from Salam here on Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you from the Geico Studios. Great news. It's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This is a great tweet. So the Bills, they posted something here. Now, Josh Allen, the seventh overall pick out of Wyoming, New quarterback with the Bills. He uh, competed in Bills rookie minicamp on Friday. So just yesterday, he was throwing the ball around. So the Bills, on their website, they posted a video uh, on Twitter, their Twitter page. They posted a video of Josh Allen, and it says, Josh Allen's first snaps as a Buffalo Bill. And they put a little 100 emoji. Isn't that nice? Hashtag go Bills. And so Jalen Ramsey... Jaguars cornerback, <laughs> he just responded and put, that's a pick waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> really? He, of all people, does he not know who his quarterback that's is? That's funny. That well, is funny. Yeah, it's a decent point. Yeah, so he quickly deleted this E from. Strong, and then quite he, strong. Yeah, he wrote another tweet that just said, I'm a chill. And he had some laughing emojis. So there you go. I just think that's hilarious where welcome to the NFL. That's just a small morsel of the taste of the pressure that's to come when you're a top 10 quarterback. When four of the top 10 picks were all quarterbacks, all these guys are going to be dissected and compared and all of that. And heaven forbid they have a horrible performance and throw a few picks and lose a game. It's just like the guys on TNT say, barbecue chicken. That's what we're going to be talking about with these top NFL quarterbacks. And Jalen Ramsey talking trash is just the beginning. It's the tip of the iceberg, my friend. Yeah, it is. Um, It's going to – you know what? When it's all said and done, all of the the combine stuff, all of the breaking down film uh, of these quarterbacks taken in the first round, all of the hoopla and everything surrounding – I'm so excited – to watch him actually play for those who are actually get an opportunity yeah. to play. Now, some oh, of these yeah. guys, they won't see the field. They, they, it's not time for them to see the field. 
and I want people to really curb their expectations because every first-round draft pick quarterback is not ready to play. That does not mean Jared Goff that he's a bust. It just means that he's not ready to play. And one might say, well, why would you waste a first-round draft pick on a guy who's not ready to play right away? That is not the narrative that GMs and owners subscribe to because what you don't want to do is you don't want to waste that pick. You don't want to Jamarcus Russell. Right. Right? You don't want to Ryan Leaf. You don't want to put his quarterback in a situation where it's not advantageous for him to succeed. Sure. David Carr. David Carr. And I I played with David his last year in Houston, and he had developed so many bad habits, it just he couldn't even – I mean, it, I was like, "Whoa, what?" <laughs> like, just and I'll give you an example. And I, I don't uh-huh. want to bash David and all of that, um, but ran a lot of bootlegs. But uh-huh. David was really in tune with his passing rating, and on a bootleg, instead of throwing the ball away, he would run out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage. So it would be a sack instead of an incomplete pass. So I remember when we first got there and Gary Kubiak was the head coach and the the offense is predicated on running the ball and the play action. So we would have at least four or five, you know, between five to ten play actions a game. And David ran out of bounds, I believe, one game like four times, four sacks. No one ever touched the quarterback in that game. You can't. That's unforgivable. You want to talk about losing your offensive line. Right. So <laughs> Just give up three sacks by running out of bounds so, instead of throwing it so away. So think about it like this. Before Gary and that new culture came in and Rick Smith, the GM, that was acceptable. No one had called him on that. And I heard that oh, firsthand from gosh. the guys who had been there. No one would say anything. But I remember in the team meeting, Gary was like, hey, what is wrong with you? Right. He pulled it up on the board the whole nine yards and was like, look, this is unacceptable. You're the quarterback. Throw the ball away. Not only are you losing yards, but you're giving up sacks. And he he really faltered. He didn't really handle that criticism well. And I remember a player leaning over to me and was like, yo, man, this is the first time since I've been here, and they got there the same year, that a coach has held him accountable. Right. And, well, I mean, and, look, and he could just, he couldn't bounce back from it. He could not survive that type of uh, of criticism. Just couldn't do it. Right. Well, that's the worst thing you want to see. With you take these these top quarterbacks, let's say the the top four guys in the top ten, right? You want to get them on the field, but you don't want to throw them out there before they're ready. Right. You don't want it to start going the, the wrong way. But where I think about this, Ephraim, is. This story with Josh Allen, he's throwing his first passes in rookie minicamp, and Jalen Ramsey <laughs> tweets back and says, that's a pick waiting to happen. After they post a video of him throwing a pass. I think that's hilarious. And it gets me to think that if you look at these top four guys, right? Top ten picks, the four quarterbacks that were drafted. Who do you think is most ill-equipped to handle the pressure? Before you answer, I think it ranges because you think Baker Mayfield's the number one overall pick. Not everybody was the number one overall pick. If you think about Sam Darnold with the New York Jets and that media market in particular, 
And that so and then you go with Josh Allen number seven overall with the Bills, Josh Rosen number ten. And think about Rosen's an interesting case because he's a big talker. He's talking all this stuff about winning all these championships and all that he's going to do. So if he falters, if he gets out there, of course he's going to hear about it. So of those four guys, who do you think would you look and say, man, I got big time questions if they're going to be able to handle all of the negativity that's going to come their way in the rookie season? Baker Mayfield. I agree. Without a doubt. Yeah. That's not even a – it's Baker Mayfield. Um, Because what's happened is not only through his own actions and his own words, but through – the Browns as well, they've set a stage where in order for this to be a win, he has to be miraculous. You get what I'm saying? Given the the, the, the current quarterbacks that were available and coming to a place with so many questionable things he'd done, not only on but off the field and college, he's put in a situation coming off the hills of Johnny Manziel where it's literally like, wow. Like he has to be sensational. And I don't think they have the type of team where he can be sensational. He's going to have to throw the ball way too much. They're adequate. They don't have an adequate running game. Uh, He has some receivers, but we'll have to see. Right, we'll have to see if they work out, and I don't think their defense is going to be good enough to stop people. So they're going to constantly be in games where they're playing from behind and putting that much pressure on any young quarterback. Hell, Peyton Manning is rookie year, right? Why would, would right? He's right, and Peyton Manning struggled his rookie year. I'll tell you this, Ephraim. I see it slightly differently, and you might agree with this. So we'll get to this coming up next. Some Browns, some Warriors, and some DeSager. And DeSager is clearly closer to the Warriors <laughs> than the Browns, let's be honest here. Oh, right? Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about that segue, but we'll move on. Because Oh, come on, Steve DeSager. I gave you props for being Warrior-like and not Cleveland Browns-like. Thank and you. you're going to question? That's... You're going to question the integrity of that tease, huh? <laughs> that segue? I would hope everyone involved with the show is more Warrior-like than Brown-like. Okay. Even the Browns fan who's producing the show after you. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Mike Mayer, shout out. That's right. NHL playoffs going on right now. Opener of the West Final at Winnipeg. It's early third period. 4-2 Jets over Vegas. Meanwhile, FS1 has NASCAR 400 from Kansas right now. They're about halfway through. Austin Dillon in the lead for the moment. Kevin Harvick is second. And as for Major League Baseball, the Atlanta Braves are tied 5-5 at Miami. Bottom of the seventh inning. Jose Bautista is first homer with Atlanta. Freddie Freeman has hit two. The Mariners' Robinson Cano with a home run and M's are up 6-5 at Detroit, bottom of the fifth inning. It's the second of a twin bill. Seattle lost the opener 4-3 at Detroit. Meanwhile, we got a doubleheader involving the Orioles in Baltimore. They're back from a rain delay in the second game, and the O's are losing again, 5-3 to the Rays in the top of the seventh. Baltimore did actually take the opener 6-3 against Tampa Bay, beating Chris Archer. Yankees and Red Sox each won. Washington and the Cubs each with victories. Houston with a 5-1 lead over Texas, bottom of the eighth inning. Starter Charlie Morton of Houston, 14 strikeouts in seven innings of work. 
And, guys, we have the NBA's conference finals starting tomorrow. First, the East Sunday afternoon, Cleveland at Boston. Then the NBA's West final starts Monday night, Golden State at Houston. Today, Cleveland guard George Hill missed practice because he was graduating from college, got his degree today from IUPUI, took part in the commencement ceremonies in Indianapolis, was one of the speakers there as well Mm. at the age of 32. Meanwhile, his teammates were getting in one last workout before they head to Boston for game one. He will join them there. As AP put it, George Hill has gone from point guard to point grad, but in his 30s gets his degree today. Good stuff by you, Steve DeSager, as always. Brilliant. I didn't lie to the people. No. Much more warrior-like than brown-like, right? Yeah, (laughs) of course. It's Brian Noni from Salam. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I'll tell you this real quickly. I don't think that Baker Mayfield is equipped to handle the pressure. I think that he's the least likely of the top four quarterbacks to handle it because He just has such a huge chip on his shoulder where you think about all the things that we saw while Oklahoma was very successful with the traitor t-shirt and he just takes everything so personally with the naysayers. And I just think that he's going to struggle at times in his rookie season when he gets out there and he's going to hear a lot about it. And I just don't see that being helpful helpful for him getting on the right track. I think that's going to get him off track a lot. And he's going to pay too much attention to the noise. I, I, I just don't see it working out. But where I differ from you, Ephraim, I don't think that he has to be miraculous. I think that Baker Mayfield is a lot like the 76ers. Follow me on this one. Yeah, okay. If, if Baker Mayfield has any morsel of noticeable success based on where the Browns have been, it's going to be overreaction city. It's going to be like, this guy moves mountains. He walks on water. This dude is unbelievable. Like He doesn't have to do anything that's truly unbelievable for people to say it's unbelievable based on where the Browns have been. I, I think I, I think you're looking at it wrong, and I understand where you're coming from, but they've been plagued by so much negativity and unproductivity from the quarterback position the last ever since 99 Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the fact that the thing that's going to offset that is if the other guys right the Darnells the Rosens the Allens if they're playing in their succeed they're doing extremely well right that's going, That's what's going to offset. So even if Baker Mayfield does a little something good, and like, oh, okay, the fact that the other guys may perform better because they're in better situations, I think that is going to affect how we see Baker Mayfield's true productivity. Oh, I hear you on you that. You see what I'm and saying? And I think it's so – I absolutely see so what you're saying. So he'll have to literally move mountains. He'll have to do eh. things – he'll have to do things like – Wow, we're in week eight and the Browns are in playoff contention. Right now we start talking about, oh, okay, well, maybe that was the right pick. I'll give you an example of why I I hear what you're saying, but I don't I'm not fully on board. All right. Like I I jumped on the bandwagon with my left arm kind of hanging on, and I was like, Yeah, it's just kind of tedious. You know, I'm I'm just gonna get off the bandwagon right here. <laughs> like Tim freaking Tebow. Right? Yeah. The Broncos got to eight and eight 
And you would think they were 16-0. and 0. You would think they were the recreation of the 07 Patriots, yeah, you know? The, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Right. Well, I, I listen, there are all sorts of differences where we get it. That Tebow and being religious and that whole thing and... People adored Tim Tebow, and that had a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting it's the same dynamic with Baker Mayfield. All I'm simply saying is, with the Browns being so decrepit and so awful for so long, even if Baker Mayfield isn't outperforming another one of these top quarterback rookies, he's still going to get a lot of shine based on where the Browns had been before. That's going to be tempered a little bit. Let's just say Josh Rosen is just killing it more than Baker Mayfield is. The reaction would be like, Browns, look at Baker Mayfield. And then you would get the, well, yeah, but Sam Darnold's doing a little bit better. Right. Or a lot better. Of course. And you got to remember, when you talk about Tim Tebow in that situation, the defense that the the Broncos took the field with was far superior than the Cleveland Browns defense will be this year. Is that safe to say? Sure, it's safe to say. Okay. So, and you got to realize the effect that Tim Tebow had in terms of this is a quarterback who can't throw the ball down the field. He can't stand in the pocket and throw the ball. So anything he did was, like, miraculous. You got to remember, three quarters of every single game that Tim Tebow was in was awful. The <laughs> first, right. I mean, it was so <laughs> bad. I'm talking about it was like, oh, my God. And right. And the they pulled the game out, and it was just showered with praise. The, the fans, everybody was like, boo, this is awful. Get him out of there. Yeah. The fourth quarter starts. The defense has kept you in the game, right? Kept you in the game. In some instances, you were up by three. A lot of field goals being kicked. And the fact that Tim Tebow can summon some out-of-body deity (laughs) and in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, his passing rating shot through the roof, right? That's what the the whole – thing surrounding Tim Tebow was about. The fact that he could be so bad for three quarters, and in the fourth quarter, it was almost like a godly presence has, had entered his body. And they would win these games, including that Pittsburgh playoff game. right? So that's the, I think that's the draw, and of course, the Denver Broncos are a much bigger draw than the Cleveland Browns. But that, but I think that could work to Baker's advantage. Like I, it's it's a weird conversation we're having, Ephraim. I know, right? I don't think like, how I, bad I, will he be? Right, right. <laughs> I don't think Baker is going to pan out, and certainly not in his rookie year. I just I don't think that he has the tools. I don't think he's got it to succeed in the NFL at a high level. I just don't see it, and especially his rookie year, it's going to be even harder to hit the ground running. So I preface everything I'm saying with I don't believe it's going to happen. But should it happen? Let's just say for the sake of argument, I'm wrong. I have been wrong before in my lifetime. Multiple times. Nick Foles! Nick Foles! On this show, you've been wrong. Was I right about the Philadelphia 76ers? Huh? Was I right about them? Yes, you were. Okay. So I get some stuff right as well. With that being said, if Baker Mayfield hits the ground running and has a good rookie season and the Browns win actual NFL football games. How many? What's enough? Because one he, he, is better you know, than they did last year. Exactly. That's the thing. He doesn't have to win a whole lot of games. Yeah, but he does because they've won three and four games before. So that's what I'm saying. The place has already been set but for th- mediocrity. 
So just because but Ephraim, they've, they've been they've been one in thirty one over the last two years. I get it. I, I understand. We, so look they, at Josh McCown. Josh go, McCown last year. We thought the the Jets would maybe win two, three games. They won five. Josh McCown played well, and all anybody will say is how good Josh McCown was. I get it. He'd been in the league forever. We're talking about a young pup coming into the NFL and being, you know, having three wins. I just yeah three and, three and thirteen. They're not going to roll out the parade for you. They're not going well, to be no, like, no, 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 no. Right? So well, he would. I don't see him starting the, all six. You're saying the bar is so low. Yeah. The fact that if he wins three games, <laughs> we're going to celebrate the fact that he won three games. Which I don't think probably, he's going to start all year. Which probably like, like, gets you the first pick in the draft again. Let's that's say that he starts that, half the year. Okay. If if Baker Mayfield starts eight games and wins three of them and plays pretty well, that's all it's going to take for him to get showered with praise. Absolutely. I can, I, I can see that. If they if they have won, you know, three games prior to that and they yeah. went, end up being 6-10, and ten, that's a step in the Look, right direction. Man, Jimmy Garoppolo was very good last year, but we talk about him the way we talk about Jordan. <laughs> like, I know, right? We talk about Michael Jordan like he never missed a shot. Jimmy G was very good. We talk about him like he was a combination of Montana – Freaking Brady, like Rodgers. He was really, really good, but good Lord. We talk about him like he didn't have an incomplete pass. The reason we talk about him like that is because we watched him with our own eyes transform an entire organization, an entire team, offensively and defensively. We can agree on that, right? So it's called the Jimmy G effect. He came in. Now, Baker Mayfield can come in and change the culture of a team when he does get to start in the middle. So they're struggling. Uh-huh. Say they're 0-6. Right. And they say, yeah. hey, it's time. We're going to make a change. And then they win their next four games. Oh, gosh. They you- Defensively, <laughs> they start playing better. Offensively, right. they start playing better. Their point total increases by 10 points. Oh, then dude. now it'll, it'll be the same effect. Right? So the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo came into an organization and did that exact same thing, Sure. That's why we heap the praise on him because he changed the culture of a team, not just the offense, but everybody. That's what I'm saying. If Baker, if he wins his first two games, if they have struggled mightily throughout half the season, it's going to be Rose Petal City. <laughs> I, it is. It's going to be obnoxious, but we'll see how it unfolds. All right, coming up next from the Geico Studios. By the way, eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox is your phone number. You want to check in? Feel free to do so. The Warriors. There are many reasons why the Warriors will beat the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. What's the number one reason, though? It's Brian No E from Salam with you right here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Brian No E from Salam here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the Geico Studios. Great news. It's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. So, E from... Uh, you predicting the the Warriors to beat the Rockets? Yes. What do you have this series? Six? I'll say six. Six? Yeah, I agree I do. with you. I go Warriors in six. And, you know, people were pointing out that the Rockets had a higher team defense than Golden State. That's a regular season, man. But And I, and I understand that. Um, but individually, defensively, the Warriors are far superior, especially when you add – JaVale McGee into the lineup, right, J- just for defensive purposes. 
So you take on for your on ball defenders, Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson, someone like Kevin Durant, who stepped up and he showed us last year in the playoffs he's willing to not only be a scorer, but he can guard he'll guard. He'll guard the best player. Draymond Green. Just defensively, you've created a situation where they can switch everything and not lose anything from any one of those players. So when you put them in the high pick and roll, you, you're just switching on to another defender. So you cut down on your abilities to create mixed matches up above the three-point line. And when you do that to the Rockets, they don't have that caliber and that size of defender, right? You got Klay Thompson, 6'9". You got Andre Iguodala, 6'8". Right? You got um, Kevin Durant, 7 feet tall. <laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy. So when you when you when you're switching, now they'll do things to put Steph in, in in tough situations, but they always rotate back over to him. They just don't leave him on an island. Like most teams, just back up and they'll switch back through. And I like that, especially in the playoffs defensively, with Golden State, the Rockets they don't show that type of individual defense. No, they don't have they, that. They, they don't yeah, have that. They don't. No, with the Warriors, it's the playoffs. It's all about the playoffs. Like, throw these regular season numbers out the window. I get it, but people like to point things it, out, you know. It's like, look, man, did you see the Warriors down the stretch of the season where they were like 7-10? and 10? We joked around, like, it was surprising they weren't noticeably yawning during games. Like, if there was a loose <laughs> ball, they were like, Psh. Regular season loose ball? No. Like, we're just getting to the playoffs, right? Yeah, they led, so the, like, they led the league in ejections. Right. The Rockets, they this year were the old Warriors, where they had something to prove, mm-hmm. and they were taking the regular season seriously. The Warriors once won 73 games. Like, that's not their mindset anymore. So all these regular season numbers, they don't matter. What matters more are playoff numbers. And in the playoffs, the Warriors have the best defense. The Rockets are number two. But there's a noticeable gap. And you look at Golden State, they allow less than 100 points per 100 possessions in the playoffs. They're the only defense, not even close, that can do that. And the death lineup, or the Hamptons 5, whatever you want to call them, right? They are giving up 86.6 points per 100 possessions. Yeah, that Why am I having up, a hard time saying possessions? <laughs> that matchup is difficult for teams because, like Dude, I said, they're able to switch everything. They can switch it. Draymond can guard CP3. He can or guard James anybody. Harden. Anybody. Clay Thompson like, can guard anybody. Right. And that's the thing. Like Andre Iguodala can guard it. That's three guys out of five that can guard anybody you put on the court at any position. Right. And I look at these things where defense favors the Warriors. They have numerous advantages. The number one reason I think that the Warriors are going to beat the Rockets, it comes down to ball movement. The Warriors move the ball. Very, very well. And you look at the Rockets, they're just an ISO team. They move the ball the less, the least of any team in the NBA. What they do is they give the ball to CP3 or Harden. 
They run pick and rolls until they get in a, a mismatch they can exploit, and then someone goes to work, and they can kick out. That's their whole offense. The Warriors can switch everything with the death lineup. And you, you think that the Rockets are they're not going to win. <laughs> it's not happening. We'll have more on this in the final hour. Also this, it definitely wasn't fair, but will it be the right call? A lot of things in life, Ephraim, just not fair. A lot of things in sports, just not fair. Bunch of things in sports. Yeah. Dwayne Casey getting fired as the Raptors head coach when they put the put together the finest season in team history. That's tough. That's a tough one to swallow. Do you know what I call that? What do you call that? That's the LeBron James effect. (laughs) Yeah. That's what that is. It's the LeBron James effect. And it's It's not just this season. It's 100% that. And they didn't even think possibly that LeBron James would not even be in the Eastern Conference next year. They just were so fed up with having – their hopes and dreams dashed out again by that one man. Mm. That one man. They couldn't even see past the fact that we got to make a change. We need somebody who can be LeBron. They couldn't see past that. And we we argued a little bit about how important coaching is and and all of that earlier uh, in the show. But that goes to show you, they had, they had more wins in in franchise history. Right, Toronto had never been this good in the regular season, and it still was not enough. Right to keep Dwayne Casey's job. It's and, a bad week and a half stretch, you know. And, and, it, and really, it's and why it and why is that? Because of LeBron. LeBron is a bad, bad, bad man. They almost won 60 games. I know it. And they were, I mean, after game one, and we talked about it, where that game was a toss-up, and the Raptors had a healthy lead at the end of the game, and they just couldn't make a basket where they miss 11 straight, and Valanchunas with the tip that was like, oh my gosh, I hope I make it. No, I missed it. Like, <laughs> they're just pressing so hard because they had lost, what, at the time, Six consecutive playoff games they, to the, the Cavs, whatever it was. Never beaten yeah. LeBron James in the playoff game. Lost five straight at home in the playoffs against LeBron and company. Like, But here's the thing. Here's where it comes to. Raptors president Masai Ujiri, listen to what he says about firing Dwayne Casey. Nothing in particular that um, Coach Casey did wrong, but uh, I think... Uh, it was time to, time for this to happen. <laughs> Why? I, that, exactly. That just blows my mind. There's nothing in particular that he did wrong. It's like, I think you're just trying to be nice at this point. You're not trying to pile on after firing him. But you know as well as I do, Ephraim, whether it's specifically Dwayne Casey's fault or not, I would argue not, he was 21-30 and 30 in the playoffs. And at the end of the day... Your days are numbered if that's your record. Yeah, that's just how it goes. That's how it goes. This reminds me of Golden State and Mark Jackson. Yeah. They won 51 games. That had been the best they had been in ever. 
since ever. And mm-hmm. ownership felt that, hey, you got to remember, more and more people are, are more and more billionaires are buying teams that have had success in the business world, right? So I remember reading a comment by the, the owners about how they do things in their world business-wise. Mm-hmm. We hire someone in one of our companies that's struggling. They get us to a certain point. We're happy at the ceiling that they got us to. Then we go out and hire someone else to take us to that next level. And well, they yeah. felt Mark Jackson was at the ceiling of his abilities, whether he was or not. Right. In their eyes, That's what they, felt. they felt that way. And they felt Steve Kerr could take them to the next level. So the next year, they win 67 games. Right? 16 more games. Win the championship. So were they wrong? Could Mark Jackson have could could he have done that? A lot of people say yes. Yeah, we'll never know. Right? It's possible. Yeah. So we're looking at the Dwayne Casey firing, like, okay, these they, they won fifty nine games. This is the best in Toronto. So now they're at Dwayne Casey's ceiling as of what they felt it was. LeBron James did not help, I can tell you that. If that would have went seven games, we it would have might have been a different. The fact they can't beat him was like okay, we got we can't go right. they, because they can't go through another year of this. Well, and that was the terrible way it ended. Game four was just the it, it, worst it, it, possible awful. way for Dwayne Casey's job status for them right, to lose just, that it game. Was, it was like okay, uh, well, we see where where this is going for him. Right, it was terrible. If they. If they would have lost game four, just by the margin that they lost game three by, maybe. Maybe he's got a chance. But when you get the doors blown off you while getting sweeped, while getting sweeped, while getting swept, (laughs) losing all those consecutive games to LeBron and company, it was a tough sell. But listen to Brad Stevens. I know you're highly fond of Celtics coach Brad Stevens, Ephraim, and with good reason. Listen to what Brad Stevens has to say about Dwayne Casey. Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing from the standpoint of, you know, coaching profession. But, you know, as, as far as another coach, you know, looking at what he was able to accomplish, I think he's a role model for a lot of coaches. Yeah, and I, because I can't get enough of sound with basketballs bouncing in the background, Ephraim. <laughs> this isn't the worst. This is the worst, this is the worst <laughs> thing ever. What's the football equivalent? It's got to be music in the background, right? Yeah, like the band at halftime, the band is out there. <laughs> They're shooting cannons, right? The the equivalent would be right after a team scores and you're in Tampa Bay and you're doing an interview with the coach right in front of the ship where they shoot the cannon. Right, right. Or you hear this all the time in the NFL when they're in the locker room and their teammates are just loud, right? That's got to be the football equivalent. Where it's like, I don't know, Richard Sherman, uh, what did you think about today's contest? And I don't know, like Bobby, I, I don't know, like uh, Cliff Averill's in the background like, hey, where are we going tonight? Or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Here's Brad Stevens with more basketballs bouncing in the background. His great players got better. His young players all got better. And really, the second unit at Toronto was as good of a team and as fun of a team as there was to watch in all the basketball this year. And on top of that, Dwayne is as good of a person as they come. You hit on the best point, Ephraim. What if LeBron goes to the Western Conference? Are the Toronto Raptors in a better position not having Dwayne Casey? We don't Whoever they end up getting, right. they're, in a, they're automatically in a better position not having Dwayne Casey, not even knowing who they're going to get. Yeah, because what's going to happen is they'll mess around and get to the finals, the Eastern Conference finals, and may come out of the – although I don't think so with what's going on in, in Boston. But – they won't have to get beat by LeBron James, and I don't think the ownership wants to get beat by LeBron James anymore. They just don't. Right. Like they I don't do. care what happens, LeBron James can't beat us anymore. No matter where, right. if he retires, they still are going to be worried about LeBron James. Right. And we go to Game the, Three when Dwayne Casey made the move to bench Demar Derozan. Right. And and then the Raptors just didn't show up for Game Four. I don't put that on Dwayne Casey. I put that on the players. It's Absolutely. Be a professional. Go out there and fight. Yeah, you're down 3 nothing, and DeMar DeRozan's ticked off that he was benched. You know what? Go out there and score 40. Just go off. You yeah, know? Get into your own personal zone and unleash fury. In basketball, yes. you can go crazy. Right? In basketball, you can be like, you know, it's me. It's all me. Especially if you're the star player. If you're the guy on the team – with a maxed out guaranteed contract and they're looking to you to score 40, then go score 40. Yeah. Period. Go score 40. No if ands. This is what I'm doing. And the the better you the, your teammates just feed into it. They make it easier right. for you. Yeah. It's the Kobe effect, right? Oh, Kobe looked like he's going to get 60 tonight. Well, let's make it easy for him. And, and, you know, for everybody saying that Dwayne Casey lost his job by benching DeMar DeRozan, let's just let's say he didn't do it. Let's say he didn't bench DeMar and they still got swept. I it don't see how. Right. I don't see how no chance, no how he's fired. It was still coming. I, I still think it was happening. After they Although, lost game one, I said, oh, this right. is over. They're going to get right. swept. After they lost game one, I was like, oh, this is over for them and the coach. No matter how good he was. Now, if you look at we, – we, we drew mention to Mark Jackson and the Warriors. If you look at their record for the last five years, this past season was their worst at 58 wins, right? right. So once they reached that 51 mark, they went 51, 67, 73, 67, and 58. So it was an upgrade. Right. Well, and their, you look traje- at their talent. Right. Yeah. Of course. The talent tra- is the insane. Tra- the trajectory was there. They were already moving up. They just felt that they wanted to make a change. Now, I don't know if this is the same situation for Dwayne Casey. I just know the fact that they couldn't beat LeBron James sealed his fate. And the fact that they got swept right. after playing so well in game one, you got to remember. Cleveland didn't have the lead ever right. in regulation. Right. And yeah, and they ended up getting blown the out. The first in the lead they took was in overtime. Right. When and they lost that game, it was over. Yeah, it's just 
it's just a complete overreaction by Masai Ujiri. Because I remember Jeff Van Gundy talking about this. He was doing a game in the Western Conference playoffs. I think he was doing the Warriors game. I think it was on a Sunday. And he was like, for all these people that are talking about Dwayne Casey being fired, get real. He's like, the ownership structure is far too strong to do something that mindless. <laughs> what do you know? They end up running him out of town. The LeBron James effect. It is. It, but it's the classic case of, hey, different equals better. And it does. different equals different. Just because you're changing head coaches doesn't mean you're in any better position going forward. I think that it was just a, a knee-jerk reaction. And what if LeBron does go west? You have a great chance if you're the Rap- Raptors, if you stay status quo with Dwayne Casey. Who knows going forward, whoever they get. It's Brian No and E from Salam. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. All right, coming up next from these Geico studios. We have a caller that might be disagreeing with you, Ephraim. I can't tell. We go to the eight Super Bowl contending teams. Lock and Fora put out a column. Ephraim and I are switching his list with our lists, right? So we'll do that next. Take your calls, 877-99 on Fox. It's Brian No and Ephraim Salam live with you right here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Brian No and Ephraim Salam here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the Geico Studios. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Our guy, Papa Bear Ryan Smith, technical producer, he is pushing this movie Black Panther so much. I hear it in every single commercial break, from. He has doubled up on Black Panther music from the soundtrack on tonight's show. That's how much he's into this movie. Well, yeah, you should probably watch the movie. <laughs> I, I'm so tempted, Ephraim, just to keep not watching it. You know what I mean? I want to see this because everybody says it's a great uh, movie. I just haven't gotten around to seeing even it. Even Arnie Spaniard has seen the movie. He has more street cred than you do, Brian. Yes, Brian. You see how I'm torn on this one, Ephraim? You see I, how I'm I torn? You, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's By a great way, movie, though. Yeah, you vouch for it? Yeah, it's you like great. It? Yeah. I got a question for you from watching this Lomachenko fight. It was a very good fight. He wins by 10th uh, really round was. TKO. After yeah, being knocked down. Shots. Yeah. Straight right in the sixth round, just put him on his backside. Right on his butt. Yeah. But Vasily, with all those, dude, getting hit in the midsection. I was thinking about this, Ephraim. I've been in a couple of fights in my life, a few fights, right? If you don't know what you're really doing, like you don't have any professional training, you don't do this for a living, you don't live in an octagon, you're not a boxer, typically everybody punches their their opponent's face, yes. right? How many times have you just witnessed a fight or been in a fight yourself where, where they're going to the body steadily, right? It typically doesn't happen. And I started thinking, I was like, I've never been hit hard right in the abs or the ribs, mm. you know? But when you've got these professional fighters just going down like, I'm done. I just got hit in the kidneys. I, it's over. Forget it. Have you ever been hit in the midsection or the ribs? Yes. Just getting hit in the stomach. If you're not prepared for it, you get hit in your stomach, oh, that'll sit you down. Yeah. Like, I've 
I've fallen on the football before. Right. On yeah. my stomach, and that'll take the air right out of you. You can't breathe. You know, I've done that before, but I haven't been punched there. And I certainly haven't been punched there repeatedly <laughs> during a boxing match with, with one of the best punchers in the game in Lomachenko. I can only imagine what that feels like. Roy Jones was the best at that. Like, Roy Jones, his assault on the body was chopping a tree down, right? You don't go to yeah. the top of the tree and start chopping no, chopping away at it, right? You start right. at the bottom. And the bottom of the boxing body is the stomach, the midsection. So that's where you begin to chop and you begin to work. Because what yep. happens is your, as the rounds go on, your movement slows, your breathing is labored, your defenses fall, and now you're so worried about not getting hit in the body again, you expose your chin and your temple. Did you get punched in the midsection? I've been punched in the midsection before. How did it feel? Awful. I've also <laughs> fallen on a football before and had 12 other guys fall on top of oh, me. Oh, gosh. That, uh. that is awful. I've also broken a rib. Right? right. All of those things... <laughs> Are no fun. bueno, no yeah. good. Oh man, yeah. So what was the fight? Who punched you in the stomach? Uh, I think it's it's fighting this uh, guy named Jason Harris. I think in 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 high school. Uh huh. And I was younger than everybody else, bigger than everybody else, but younger. And I think he we were, we were friends, but I think he was he was a bully, and I think he punched me in the stomach. So what we did. So what we did was we went home, and my friend had some boxing gloves. Uh huh. And we put the boxing gloves on, and we went at it in the street. And although I wasn't a good fighter at that time, Uh I think I was about twelve, thirteen years old. I wasn't a good fighter at that time. I hit him enough and hard enough for him to be like, "All right, well, I won, but I don't want to do that no more." Right? So you don't have to win. You just got to make them not want to fight you no more. Okay, fair enough. Right? Can we get can we get him on the show next week and get his recollection of this fight? I don't know where he is. Man, I wish we had, like... I'll look for him on Facebook. Okay. I wonder what he remembers of that. I'm, listen, Ephraim, I'm not calling you a liar. I'm not doing that. No, he's probably like, hey, see, yeah. I, see that dude in the Super Bowl? I beat him up in high school. <laughs> While he was working at coffee mate or I don't know I mean at that point when you're bragging about beating somebody up who's successful I don't know if you look better or worse right right I'll tell you what man it's like fishing trips and fights everybody remembers them more fondly than they happen to go down right oh I've won that fight it's like well you got in one good punch and then it was just like he went Robin he went Nolan Ryan on you, and you were Robin right. Ventura. You know, like, <laughs> sometimes you don't quite remember it exactly how it went down. You really like, don't. Because number one, it's impossible to. Right. You just you just don't know. And so, We've gotta, you know, you, you always, now, I've been beat up before now, you know, and I know I didn't, uh, I don't even think I got a hit on that one. <laughs> you know, I was always the big kid, so I was always taught to be gentle, right? So it's like situation I have with my two sons. One is six, one is three. 
they're giant babies. But the six-year-old is the size of a nine-year-old, and the three-year-old is the size of a six-year-old. But all through the three-year-old's life, we told his older brother, be careful with him, right? Be gentle. You can't grab him by the neck. Don't push your brother down, right? So the older one grew up like being passive because that's what he was taught. The younger one, now he just out of control. They're scrappy. Oh, he yeah. just slapped. He just slapped the hell out of his brother. Like right. <laughs> they they refuse. They, re- they refuse to sleep in separate rooms. So we can't. It's not even. That's a no go. Move to a bigger house so they can have more room. They don't. They just. They need to be with each other. So we'll right, be out right. watching TV. The the wife and I and our six year old come out holding his face crying. <laughs> And this is this is like almost a nightly thing. Not I don't want to say a nightly thing, but it happens a lot, right? And he'll come on and be like, Elijah slapped me when I was like he'll be laying in the bed going to sleep and his brother would sit up over him and just slap him in the face. So behind <laughs> what him, did the five b- fingers b- 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 say right? to the face? Slap! Right? Yeah. <laughs> so behind him, our three year old comes out, his name is Elijah, and he'll be giggling. Right? He's three. He's giggling. Elijah, did you slap your brother? Uh-huh. <laughs> you got to look away because it's it's just so funny. So what the punishment is, we separate them. It's the worst thing you can do. Rashid, my oldest, is fine. He's like, I got to go to sleep. Right, okay. right, right. The youngest. Three-year-old. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's going crazy. It's just like my nephews. It's almost the same thing you described. The same thing. With my two nephews, Minnie Matt is the older one, Ty is the younger one. They're 15 and 13 now. But it's the same thing to a T. Yep. Ty would pick on Minnie Matt. Minnie Matt was the, the gentle one because he was older. Ty's just scrappy. I'll never forget. <laughs> Minnie Matt was actually so frustrated. He wouldn't, you know, be physical with Ty. He was so frustrated. Ty was calling him a sucker, right? <laughs> and Minnie Matt hated it. And he's like, Ty, if you call me a sucker two more times, and Ty looks at him with this big smile and he goes, sucka, sucka. And he's just like, what? What are you going to do? Like, I'm curious. What's, what's going to happen now? <laughs> but it, it's always what it was. Well, Ty yeah, was always pestering him. Because the oldest kid is always taught to be careful. Yeah. Because right. at four, when Elijah was just being born, I mean, you can hurt him. He can hurt him. Oh, hey, yeah. hey, hey, yeah. can't put the pillow over your brother's face. I don't know how many times <laughs> I had to say that. <laughs> hey, hey, man, do you, what, why are you choking his neck? Don't touch his neck. Hey, please, that's a bag. Why would you put that on your brother's face? <laughs> uh, these are all the the statements as a, as a parent that I've had to utter, my my wife and I. And so he's been, he knows. So, so even now on the playground, if a kid's playing too rough or something like that, we're teaching, we, we were teaching him that he has to get out of that, right? Number one, he has to stand up for himself. I'm not saying fight or hit the kids back. Right. But well, he has to say, hey, I don't like that. Like, I don't like that. Right? Like, back up. I don't like that. Yeah. Right? Just don't run off crying or tell. You got to be like, yeah, look, I don't like it. I don't appreciate that. I don't want to play that way. Right. So we're getting him to be more assertive that way. But he was raised for half his life being told gentle, be gentle, especially because of his size. And I was the same way. I was so much bigger. They were like, you know, hey, hey well, don't play too rough. You know, don't play to you guys the same age. 
but right. you're four inches taller than him. Don't play too don't play too rough. You know, so that becomes part of who you are growing forward. Sure, sure. And sure. you know, and sports is a good way to get that right. reverse, legally. To get that out. Right. Legally. You know, yes. Like, you right. know, I, I remember first time playing football in high school, it just gave me a <laughs> sense of of toughness because it's it's physical. Right. I'll never forget. I had a coach one time, and he was like, "Football's the greatest game on the face of the earth." You'd get arrested for doing this stuff on the street. Yes, and it's the absolute truth. There's no doubt. Are the Redskins Super Bowl bound? We will dive into that coming up next. But Steve Desager is with us, who's always Super Bowl Super Bowl bound, right? Huh? <laughs> I wish. About that, Steve Desager. I wish. You been to a Super Bowl, by the way? I never have. Hmm. I've never been to one. <laughs> that is kind of stunning. As enormous, I, I mean, this is Fox. We all love football, but you are like even uh, a step so. above some of us. You know me, Steve. I love the NFL. I love football in general, but <laughs> well, I being a get Dolphins one, fan, he's never going to go to a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, even if your team goes, it's just so ridiculously just hard to, to get in. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, not but, for like, all of us, but go ahead. <laughs> wow, listen to Sorry. you. Sorry, I didn't mean to drop that in there like that. But go I ahead. got a quick well, story when you're done, Well, let's rewind all the football injuries from the first hour. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got a quick story when you're done with this award-winning update, Steve, about yeah. Jerry Tarkanian that you'll probably enjoy. All right. A reminder, okay. the NBA Eastern Conference final starts tomorrow afternoon, Cleveland at Boston. The NHL had the opener of the West Final tonight at Winnipeg. Jets led 3-0 after about seven and a half minutes. Winnipeg beat Vegas 4-2 in golf. Tiger Woods with a third round 65. He's tied for ninth place at the Players. Webb Simpson leads by seven strokes. Dustin Johnson, nine back. NASCAR on FS1 right now. Tonight's the 400 from Kansas. And only about 50 laps, 40 laps to go. Kyle Larson in the lead. Ryan Blaney second. Then Kevin Harvick in third. To Major League Baseball, the Yankees and Red Sox each one today. Yankees in 11 innings. Tampa Bay has just earned a doubleheader split of a twin bill at Baltimore. Mets at Philadelphia rained out. That'll be made up in August. Chance of rain there in Philly every day for the next 10 days. And we had a rain delay of about 90 minutes at Pittsburgh at the start. So they're only bottom of the sixth right now after 10.30 p.m. It's Pirates 3 Giants three, and the Braves are up 10-5 at the Marlins in the bottom of the ninth inning. Freddie Freeman with two home runs. And Major League Baseball has warned a couple players against the cleats that they're wearing during the game. Good guy Ben Hmm. Zobrist of the Cubs was wearing black cleats, but he's posted a letter he got from the league office on Instagram saying the cleats he wore this month against Colorado violated the collective bargaining agreement because MLB says they must be at least 51% blue, his team's colors. And if he doesn't comply, he could be fined and disciplined. He came off the bench at Wrigley today and wore black cleats in the outfield, plans to wear pink for Mother's Day tomorrow. And Cleveland pitcher Mike Clevenger recently got a letter from baseball warning against further use of his tie-dye cleats with the sunflowers (laughs) on them. His nickname apparently is Sunshine, but he got a warning letter he says, by the way, he still plans to wear a Jimi Hendrix-inspired custom pink pair of cleats tomorrow for Mother's Day with the names of his mother and daughters on the sides and backs. Back I love that. Those are good nuggets by you, Steve DeSager. If there's ever a sport, you'll agree with this, Ephraim. There's ever a sport to be lax with uniform-type stuff, it's baseball. Yeah, they yeah. came up with those jerseys Goodness. last year. Remember with the first names right. or the nicknames? I mean, you're, I thought you were supposed to have fun here. Right, but it it just it doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Why wouldn't you encourage the players doing something that gets people talking? Yes, why please. would you discourage? We need that? more of that. Yes, right. 
Absolutely, we need more of that. And the picture made a good point that, you know, is it going to be tattoos next? I got flower tattoos that are colorful. (laughs) I'm using my arms to throw. Is that some distraction? Right. It's Brian. Remember uh, Paxton with the no-hitter had the huge, like, uh, Canadian leaf, right, on his forearm. He is Canadian, yeah. Yeah. It's Brian Noe from Salam. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com. Or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We're going to dive into the Super Bowl contenders. Just a quick 30-second story, Ephraim. So this goes back to Super Bowl 42, the Patriots and Giants. And I got the idea maybe like two weeks before the Super Bowl, like, hey, I'm in the media. Why don't I try to get a media pass and go to this thing? That'd be awesome. I was doing radio in Fresno at the time, and it was way too late for that. So I was working with Jerry Tarkanian. He was doing a radio show, and he would pre-record interviews with coaches. And Tark answers the phone, and it's just his end of the conversation. And it's just like, what? (laughs) When? How? Tuesday? Just like that. And he's like, all right. And he hangs up the phone, and he goes, I'm going to the Super Bowl. And I look at it, and I'm like, I am so jealous of you, Tark. Like, and that wasn't just tickets to the game. That was airfare, hotel, everything, you know, limo, who knows what else he had set up. And he was going to be there for Super Bowl 42 in that historic game. Amazing. But I've never been there myself. Ah, well, so. you know, you still so. got time. You're young. I'll get there. There's plenty. All right, so Jason Lockenfora of CBS Sports, he put together his list. He has eight teams that he says have a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl. The eight teams, I'll go slow because everybody doesn't have the list in front of them. Eagles, Vikings, Patriots, Saints. He goes Steelers. Raiders. Not Raiders. Panthers, Packers, Chargers is locking for his list. So I presented it to the big man, Ephraim Salam. I said, if you're taking a team out of that eight, who are you putting in? Ephraim took out the Panthers, Packers, and Chargers, put in the Rams, Texans, and are you officially going with the Redskins, Ephraim? No, I, I changed it to the Broncos. Okay, you're going Broncos. Yeah, I told instead. you that. I, I, okay. Under, you know, further reviewing of the team. Fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you di- you had mentioned the Redskins, I which did. is fine. Yes. It's inspired a call from Greg. Greg is in North Carolina and wanted to respond to you, your thought process. Not your official pick, your thought process of the Redskins. You go ahead, Greg. You're on Fox Sports Radio. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you uh, put the Redskins in the conversation. But, you know, this is a team that was last against stopping the run. They were one of the worst at running the ball. And so they drafted two talented defensive tackles and a talented running back. But can three rookies make that much of a difference with a seven-win team? Ask Dallas. Right? You got to ask Dallas. Can these rookies ask Houston? How big of a difference was uh, Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Dak Prescott? How big of a difference was Deshaun Watson? Was it the Saints? The Saints right? last year. The Saints. Adam Kamara. So, yeah. Right. They can. Marshawn they can, Lattimore, they can make a huge, a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Right? J.J. Watt came out of nowhere. Or you look at the talent that, that these rookies are possessing and, and and everybody's different. You never know which one or who you have. So you draft them thinking, okay, these guys may be game changers. You get 
two rookies on the team, you look up and you're 13 and three, and you're in the playoffs, hosting a home playoff divisional game. So, yeah, they can. The answer to that question is, yeah, they really can. And we're seeing it more and more, which has made the rookie scale in terms of bust or no bust so skewed. We figure if three rookies in a season have outstanding years, then everybody should be. I think that's the problem. I mean, look, you get no argument with me. Rookies can make a huge, huge impact. I did. My rookie year. We went all the way to the Super Bowl. I was starting right tackle. I was a nobody. But the question is with the Redskins, is that going to be enough? We're talking Super Bowl contender here? I, I'd leave him my I, I think, And you did too, Ephraim. I you did. did. I did. Also. Under, but I like what they did at the quarterback position. But did they upgrade? To me, it's an upgrade. Because with Alex Smith, say what you want about him, what you get with him is consistency. All right? What you, what you get – as someone with an extremely high football IQ, you get consistency and someone who takes care of the ball, right? Which is half the battle, off the top. Take care of the ball. Be consistent. That's what. That's the first two things we want. Then you can be accurate, right? Because if you're not accurate, but you're cautious with the ball, you're not going to try to squeeze it in, which means you're not going to give up an a, a interception. Right? Look, I'll do this coming up next, Ephraim. I have two teams to take out and two to put in. Okay? Okay. Of the eight, I'm going to disagree with Lock and Four on two of the teams and give you my uh, my eight, my list of eight legitimate Super Bowl contenders. All right? And this, you will love this audio. An NFL front office man showers just an undue amount of praise on his new player. This Ephraim, you might stand up. You have, <laughs> I have you, a you're cast. in a cast and yes. crutch. It might cause you to stand up and say, what? I doubt that. What? But we'll, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> okay, it's Brian, though, and Ephraim Salam, live with you here from the Geico Studios on Fox Sports Radio. It's Brian, Noah, and Ephraim Salam here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the Geico Studios. Also brought to you by Granger. The products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back to help keep your business running. Keep that facility running in tip top shape. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So, E, from this audio, might cause you to stand up and say, What? This is Stephen Jones of the Dallas Cowboys, right? Jerry Jones, right hand man. I'm not even going to tell you who he's talking about, I just want to play the audio of a player on the Cowboys that he's talking about. Uh, I think we can get him the ball. I'm going to speak for Jason, but I think we can get him the ball, you know, a dozen to 20 times, two dozen times a game. Okay. Dozen to two dozen times a game. Ezekiel Elliott would make sense, right? No, he's not talking about Ezekiel Elliott, Ephraim. He's talking about new Cowboys wide receiver, Tavon Austin. (laughs) Come on. Uh, you gonna give Tavon Austin twenty four <laughs> touches, touches, <laughs> in a game, a game on average? How? <laughs> right? Yeah. He doesn't run routes. 
He's not a receiver. You're going to have 24 bubble screens? Right. A lot of screen passes, a lot of reverses. Come on, man. That's that's exhibit A of front office people just getting giddy with optimism. Oh, get out of here with that. It's It didn't work in L.A., okay? It didn't work for the Rams. They tried. At all. Because they didn't have any receivers. They had Kenny Britt over there. Yeah. You know, so they tried to give him the ball. All types of ways. They gave him an extension. $40 million. It's <sighs> That's Dallas, though. That's Dallas for you. That's Dallas. Goodness. I mean, it's well, okay I... to, to pump up your guys, right? Right, but don't let's go into realistic, Looney Tunes, man. Mode. Let's just not, yeah. let's not get silly. Because once right. you get silly, nobody can take you serious. Exactly. If you say we're going to try to get the ball on average to Tavon Austin 24 times a game, you just lose credibility. There's no possible way you can On do that. their depth chart, he's listed where? What do you think? Oh, he's down there. I mean, No, no, where, what position? Slot? Running back. back. <laughs> oh, gosh. At 5'8-179. He's listed as the third string running back. Come on, man. Yeah. So we've been talking about this list from Jason Lockenfora. I love this on CBS Sports. And he's got his eight Super Bowl contending teams with a legitimate chance, right? Legitimate chance to win it all. I'm not going to insert the Cowboys into this, this field of eight, Ephraim. But what I will do, I'm with you on the Eagles, Vikings, Patriots, Saints, Steelers, those five legitimate Super Bowl contenders, all right? I'm going to keep the Packers here. You took them out. I'm going to keep them in. I am going to take the Panthers out, and I will go with the Rams. I think the Rams, with the additions they made, goodness, with Indomitian Sue, with a brand-new secondary, with Aqib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, I think the Rams are going to be tough. Goodness gracious. I do. And as much as I don't want to do it, I got to take out the Chargers. Oh, Gavin, sorry, buddy. I'm sorry, man. I really think the Chargers can make some big-time noise this year. Love Derwin James going there. I, I love the pass rush. Run defense got to be a lot better, but I think they can make some noise. I can't put the Chargers ahead of Jacksonville. I just can't. Look, Jacksonville might be going south this year. They might take a step back. But that defensive line is nasty. Their corners are nasty. Defense, when you're consistent defensively, you're typically going to see consistent results in mm-hmm. terms of wins and losses. Yep. And then you upgraded that O-line with Andrew Norwell in free agency. You still have Leonard Fournette. I'm not sitting here telling you Blake Bortles walks on water, but he was good enough to get to the AFC title game yeah, it was and no have a healthy lead it last was year. no quarterbacks in the division whatsoever. Yep. None. But when you're on the road up double digits in the AFC title game against the Patriots, yeah. I cannot discount you the next season in terms of being a Super Bowl contender. Well, you can if you look at the quarterback. Now, if the quarterback had been consistent, <laughs> then you can be like, oh, but he's been anything but consistent. He's been inconsistent. You cannot 
have multiple games where you pass for less than 90 yards. You can't do it. And you can't do, do it. Guess what's not, what's, what's not going to happen? It's not going to happen, it. it's not gonna happen twice. It's not going to happen in two years. Like, so you think you're going to be able to pull that same thing? No. No. People will it. be prepared for the defense, and they'll be prepared to exploit your weaknesses, which you obviously haven't corrected. But I got him. I got him in the eights. I got to have him in the field of eights as a Super Bowl contender. Not, but I like not the, over, how about not this over, tweet? Not over Texas. Not over Houston. Real quick tweet, and then we got our prediction. Zach says, Ephraim, for real, the Broncos will be 6-10 and 10 this year. The Chiefs get Eric Berry back and have a star-studded offense. Look, man, we got to settle down on the Chiefs. They are not Super Bowl contenders with a basically a rookie quarterback. <laughs> Their defense is not strong enough. Real quick, Ephraim, both series, who you got how many games? I got um, I got Boston in seven. Ooh. I got Boston in seven, and I have uh, Golden State in, in six. I got the Warriors – and the Cavs, both in six. Huh? I like it. Should be Can't good. Do it. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound... Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.